by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, we've been in a series called Led, and we've been talking about the ways that we're to be led by God. Uh, what is it? Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, that's how you know if you're a child of God, if you're led by the Spirit of God. We could stop right there and say, how many of you make your decisions based on what God has shown you in prayer or God has shown you in the Word? Because those are two of the things we've been talking about so far, how to be led by the Word of God, by prayer. Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. For that scripture in it of itself says, for all that are led by the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Is he not? There's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of them are God. And did you know that all three of them are persons with their own personality. They all play different roles. They're all one, but they're all three individual persons. And yes, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a mystical force or a power or a, a mist or some, something that, you know, we don't, just don't understand. We don't get to see those things. Just because we don't, don't see him doesn't mean he isn't a person. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something even deeper than that. The Holy Spirit loves you. He's not just somebody we call on when we need him, which we always do. But he loves you. Just as the Father loves you. Just as Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life and to suffer the wrath of our punishment on himself for us, showing that kind of love, the Holy Spirit loves you like that. And so we need to understand who he is and what he wants to do because he's the one down here right now. The Father is in heaven, so is Jesus because he's at the right hand of the, the Father. You know, they were all in heaven. And they decided they wanted to create man in their image. So they reached down to the dust of the earth after he had created all the other stuff pretty much. And he got some dust and it says he breathed the breath of life. God breathed the breath of life into man. And they became a living being. God didn't breathe into the animals. He didn't breathe into the rocks or the trees. But he breathed the breath of life. I believe you could say he breathed his own spirit into man. And man became living after that. You know why? You know, you know what is the living spirit? In Romans 8 verse 2 it says that the spirit of life calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. And God breathed the Holy Spirit into man. And man became a living soul. And we were made in the image of God with a free will and all that. And so 
God walked with man in the cool of the evening. Everything was going good. But because of that free will, God had to put a tree in the garden to give some man a choice. Of course God knew all this. I mean, we can, <laughs> we can be here for months talking about this. God knew that man would, would choose evil, but he even had a, a, a plan better than that. That man would not only be with God in the garden, but God would be walking in man. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, because man sinned. And God had said, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And so they were kicked out of the garden. But you say, Pastor, they didn't die. They went on. I saw that Adam lived to be 930 years old. He didn't die. His body, he didn't die physically. But that spirit of life was taken from him. Spiritually, he became dead in his sins and trespasses. Does that make sense? Do you understand? If, if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life, and you don't have the spirit of life, what are you? You're dead. For 32 years of my life, I was a dead man walking. I had an earth suit. I had a soul, but I didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of me. And if I would have died in that state, I'd be separated from God forever. I didn't have eternal life. And so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life. And we know that God, He had a better plan. And it was certainly a better plan than to watch all of us die and go to hell. And so Jesus came to the earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came so that we might have the Holy Spirit come back into our hearts and we might be alive again with eternal life, with the very power of God. And Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. And how are they one? But by, they are spirit. And so, when we confess Jesus to be our Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, there's a transaction. God's righteousness for our unrighteousness. God's holiness for our unholiness. Jesus, he, he became, he died a substitutionary death for us. He, he redeemed us. He gave his life that we might live. He was separated from God for the first time. Ever. Of course, he's without beginning or end, so I don't know how to say ever. Ever doesn't even sound big enough when you're talking about somebody with no beginning or end. But there had never been a time where Jesus was separated from the Father. Thus, on the cross in his humanity, he cried out, My God, why have thou forsaken me? He didn't know what that felt like. There was no way for him to know what it felt like to be away apart from God, the Father, or the Spirit. But the Spirit was taken from him, and he felt alone like never before so that we might live. But that cross, my friends, was a cross for us. I'm glad I didn't have to go to it. I'm glad that I can call on the name of Jesus and be saved and my heart filled with the Holy Spirit, and I can know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that if this building caved in on me right now, I know I have a home in heaven because Jesus is up there preparing a place for me. That where he is, I may be also. I know that I know because I'm an eternal being made in the image of God and I've been reunited with the Holy Spirit. I've been reunited with the Holy Spirit and with power. Power that I did not have in those first 32 years. Power to overcome sin. Power to know the future. Power to do miracles and signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. God breathed His Spirit into us. What did Jesus do to His disciples? He breathed on them. Isn't that something? Last week I talked about that if I was ever a hypothetical, of course, if I was, because I probably ain't going out on the ocean much, but if I was ever lost on the ocean and on a desert island, what would the one thing that I would want to take with me, and what did I say? The Bible. And I did some more thinking about that this week. And if I was, if there was one material possession that I could bring with me, it would be the Bible. But I thought, you know what? Jesus came down to earth, this desert island to him, so to speak, compared to heaven. He came down here, and he took nothing but the Holy Spirit. You know, not everybody has had the written Bible available to them, and Old Testament saints and so forth. Even the new church, early church didn't have the Bible but they had the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, in the power of the Holy Ghost, did miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus, in the power of the Holy Ghost, was able to live a sinless life. Hello! For those of us that struggle with sin, do you know by the power of the Holy Ghost you can overcome sin in your life? I know we make excuses, but there's really no excuse for a born-again believer to sin. The best thing you can do is stop making excuses and start confessing it to God so that you can be forgiven. You already are positionally forgiven, but for the relationship on the journey during the sanctification period down here, you just go ahead and say, God, I'm sorry. And he, you confess your sins, and God's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 ought to be the first scripture every born-again believer learns. But I tell you what, we don't have to sin. We got a choice now. We got a choice. We can be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus accomplished God's purpose by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think he did everything he did because you know he left his glory. He left his position and was born as a, a lowly child in a manger. He gave up everything and became one of us, but by the power of the Spirit, he was able to live a sinless life, do miracles, signs, and wonders, and accomplish the redemption of the whole entire world. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And if I say Holy Ghost, don't let that spook you. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same person. Just King James used to call him a ghost. 
God's plan was not only to live with us, but to live in us. I'm telling you, that's just another case that we see that God goes farther than we can ever think or imagine. It is not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. We, can't, we couldn't even see the plan. It says the saints of old desired to look into the mysteries of God. They couldn't see it, but we know now that God wanted to live in us. Who could have foresaw that? And there you go, sitting there with the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you, you believers, you. I think the least we could do is develop a relationship with the God on the inside of us and be led by him. What about you? Say the Holy Spirit. I still ain't getting anybody to preach with me good today. You know what I'm missing? Terry going. I'm missing my human laugh track. Because everything I would say that was remotely funny, he'd go, ha, 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 ha. Where's my next Terry going up in here? So how do we tell if you're a child of God? You're led by the Spirit of God. You know, Psalms 23 starts off, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I bet you could quote it with me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. Well, how does, the, how does the, our shepherd lead us when he's in heaven and we're down here? Amen. He leads us by the power of the Holy Ghost. It says he restores my soul. Who restores our soul? It's the Holy Spirit restoring our soul. He's the one working with us down here. You say, but I want it to be Jesus. Well, it is Jesus. It's the Spirit of Jesus. You say, but I thought they were three distinct personalities. They are. I can't explain all this. They're one, but they're three. But when you, when you say... I love Jesus, but I don't love the Holy Spirit. That's just, that don't make sense because they're one. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Who? For his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Who's with us? And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, he's the one keeps us from sinning, and he's the one keeps us from going over the cliff. He's the one beats off the, the wolves that try to attack us and the things in this life. If we're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll see the fruit of Psalms 23 in our life. Oh, he'll prepare a table before us in the presence of our, of our enemies. He'll anoint our head with oil and our cup will run over. Surely, because the Holy Spirit dwells in, within me, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days. Even on snow days. Even when you've been staring at your, your significant other for six days straight. <laughs> with no break. I like it, but Angie, not so much. (laughs) 
the disciples, you know, they were just tore up when Jesus said, I'm about to go away. But Jesus said in John 16, 7, he says, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. And Jesus always spoke the truth. You want to know the truth? I said, do you want to know the truth? Because the truth will set you free. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. They could not in their limited little pea brains understand that at the time. He said, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Who's the helper? So Jesus is saying it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have me here. No, I want Jesus here with me. How about Jesus here with me? You see, Jesus became one of us. That limited him to one place at one time. He was a spirit before he became a man. He was omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, could be everywhere. But now that he became a man, he can only be at one place one time. He said, but if I go away, I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to be with all of you at all times, everywhere you go. Good news. But if I depart, I will send him you. Didn't I tell you he's a person? It's not an it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. I will send him to you. That person that loves you as much as I do. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's how you got saved. When you was on your way, you didn't care nothing about God. He convicted you of your sin. He drew you to the Father. That's the only way you could be saved. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Because they were just little carnals. Little carnal Christians. They believed, but they didn't have the Spirit. And that's the way much of the church is in America today. They want to believe in Jesus, but they want to ignore the Holy Ghost. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Are you ready to bear them now? He said, however, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. And the truth will set you free. It's the truth that sets your life free from the destruction of the enemy, from the destruction of your own self. It is He that will set you free, the Holy Spirit. And He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and whatever He and he will tell you things to come. And some of us wanting to go to a palm reader. Or read the horoscope. That's an abomination. That's like spitting in the face of the Holy Spirit. It is he who will tell you what you need to know. 
If you will seek the Holy Spirit and He don't tell you, then you don't need to know. He will lead you in all truth and He will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, I'm sending you my Spirit and you're going to be glad about it. You're going to be glad. So what changes will we see those of us who sincerely allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life? I'm glad you asked. Let's turn in our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. How many of you are ready to live a better life than you've been living? How many of you believe there's more? There's more. I've stepped in a little bit, dipped my toe, tried to get in, but I ain't all the way in yet. I want to be in. Don't you want to be in? I want to go all in. Verse 16, Paul speaking to the church in Galatia says, So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. That's our message today. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, Jesus made it possible for the Holy Spirit to be inside a believer. But we're in this in-between period called sanctification. We got salvation, but then there's a period before the total redemption where we see Jesus and we're like Jesus and we get the new glorified body, but in between there's called sanctification. And in that period, we still drag around this old earth suit called the flesh. And it's still no good. It's still lazy. Still don't want to get up off the couch. Still don't want to do anything good. Still only thinks about itself. And we have what we inherited from our sin, from the sin of Adam, is this sin nature. We were all born into sin. Dead in our sins and trespasses. And that hadn't been taken away from us yet. But when we received Christ, we received the Spirit of life, and now we don't have to follow our old desires. That has been crucified with Christ. You remember when you got baptized? That was You went underwater. That was symbolizing being buried with Christ and rising up to live in the newness of life, in the new spirit that God, you decided, I want to live for God. And you know, you probably did for a couple of days. But what you might not have been told is one day you was going to wake up and your flesh was going to be kind of in control. And you were going to have a decision each day to be carnally minded as death, but to be spiritually minded as life and peace. So now, in this period of sanctification, this is the testing grounds. This is to see who's serious about it. Who's going to choose to... Who's going to choose life instead of death, blessing instead of curse? Who's going to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost down here? Or who's just going to be fleshly, carnal? Even as Christians. You see, the world don't have a choice. They're sinners by nature, and that's all they know. They can do some good things if their flesh wants to. 
But they, they don't have the power to overcome sin. That's why we don't go to sinners and we just try to teach them all the things that they should do, all the, the works that they should do to be good. Because they can't do it. The only thing you can tell a sinner is, look, give your life to Jesus. That's your only hope. Receive his spirit. That's, that's your overcoming power. And that's our overcoming power. But before I go on, I just wanted to say we have to choose each day. In this sanctification period, you can, you can go crawl back into the casket if you want to, that old dead man. You can stink to high heaven. Or you can walk in the newness of life. So we don't want to be doing what our sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sin nature wants to do evil. It's just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, and do you notice that word Spirit is capitalized? And when you see that, it's talking about a person. You capitalize a person's name, don't you? Well, it's capitalized because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. When you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful natures, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, because this ain't the first time Paul has said this, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. And see, that's what God's after, is fruit. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And that's love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wouldn't it be nice just to be able to control self? Because you know self is the problem. You know self implodes. Self wants what it wants. If you give self what it wants, you'll be 465 pounds with a heart disease. If you give self what it wants, you'd be down at 201 Poplar. Am I, am I in there already? Oh, we need some self-control. How do you control self? You give control of self to Holy Ghost. There's no law against these things. Our law as, as born-again believers now is to love. Jesus says these two commandments sum up all the Ten Commandments and all the 630 other laws that you invented. 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the law of love. If we love, we'll have peace. We'll have joy. But self don't want to love. Self wants to love self. And see, self is the opposite of what God, Jesus showed us how to live, isn't it? He gave self. No greater love is this than any man that he lay down his life, his self, for his friends. Those who belong to Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Isn't that what I'm trying to say? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. There it is in black and white 20 times. God's desire is us to be led by the Holy Spirit. So if you're walking around acting like there is no Holy Spirit, how can you please God? How can you please God? All right, seven primary benefits of being led by the Holy Spirit. You want to write these down? You know, I, I put together this message and I was thinking of different things and I didn't realize that everything I wrote was in sevens. So we're going to do a lot of sevens today. There's seven, there's seven scriptures that we will base today's sermon on. Seven primary benefits of being led by the Holy Spirit. Number one, that you can live a life pleasing to God. It's possible. And following the Holy Spirit is the only way that you can do that. Number two is that we've already discussed, you can live a life free from sin. Number three, you will make better decisions. Number four, you will build better relationships. I'll slow it down for you, those of you writing it down. Better decisions, better relationships. Number five, you will live in the peace of God. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Number six. You will be faster thinking and writing. No, number six, you will operate in the supernatural. Well, you know, I'm not one of those kind of people. Well, you're supposed to be that kind of people. Jesus told his disciples, the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. And what is he saying? Because I go to the Father, I will send you the power to do the things that I did here on the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we should have supernatural lives. You say, Pastor, I look around, I don't see a whole bunch of supernatural happening, even in church. I'm concerned about that too. I, I truly am. And for two years I've been praying for the power and the presence of God in our church. Actually, the three Ps and the people too. Because if the people 
get this understanding, the power and the presence will be there. So, yes, it's available, but do you know God doesn't pour out his power on people who aren't appreciative or looking for it or are capable of handling it in an adult manner, a mature manner? So we have to be in position to receive the power of God. We have to understand it's available. We have to have faith. If we don't know it's available, how can we have faith? The promises of God are yes and amen to those who have faith. We can operate in the supernatural, and I'm believing for that. Number seven. These are benefits of the, being led by the Holy Spirit. You can be shown things to come. God doesn't want to leave us in the dark. We don't know all that God has prepared for us, but God will show us in due season. God will, you know, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, if you're praying daily, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, He will, he will show you things to come. Oh, don't spend your money on that because you're going to need it over here. Don't drive down that road because there's a truck just went down there and spilled nails all down it, you know? Don't buy the, I'm just going to say it, don't buy that Samsung washing machine. I'm just going to share that with y'all. <laughs> don't buy nothing Samsung. I think they did good with phones, and that was the last thing that they did right. That's for free. See, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. I'm preaching good because somebody's got a witness saying, I know. I spent a lot of money on that thing. But God will show us things to come. And not just, you know, daily things. He's showing us that he's about to return. Isn't he? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 says, But it was that God revealed these things by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. God, won't, God is not hiding anything from you. But he's not going to just make you take it. You're going to have to seek him for it. Okay, so those are the primary benefits of being led. Now we've got seven primary ways that the Holy Spirit leads us. You say, okay, I like those seven things. Now how do I do this? Or how will it be done if I'm looking for it? Well, we've already talked about the Word of God. I mean, that's just, that's elementary. That's the thing. This is the main way God communicates to you. And this is a spiritual book, and you need the Holy Spirit to understand it. So that's the way the Holy Spirit, uh, you follow the Holy Spirit. And uh, the second way is an inner witness, just an inner knowing. Some people call it like an unction. I got an unction from the Holy Ghost. You know, I, you could know something that there's no way you could have known. There, there's gifts that we, it talks about in Corinthians, you know, 1 Corinthians, I think. Uh, it talks about the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. He just gives you an unction. It, and, and so you can't explain it, but once you get familiar with the voice of God, every now and then you say, oh, that's God. I am not doing that, or, oh, I got to go do this right now, you know. Holy Spirit is leading me with an inner witness. And another way he does that is, number three, a check in your spirit. That's how he keeps you from doing things you ought not do. 
You say, well, I really like that good-looking girl in my office, and she just, she just wants to be friends. And I, I know my wife might not like that, but, you know, I just want to be, you know, I think I should be nice to my coworkers. The Holy Spirit's going to say, There's going to be a check in your spirit. Have anybody ever overridden a check in your spirit? How'd it work out for you? Never good. Never good. And, and it gave you a good testimony because you'll be up here next week talking about, man, I did this and, and this is what happened. I should have listened to God. But I don't want that kind of testimony. Number four. Quickenings. You could be reading the Word of God and just something quickens in you. Something you didn't know before, you never thought about before, but all of a sudden it just came alive to you. Oh. Oh. Revelation. It become, the, the Word of God will become rhema to you, not just logos. It becomes rhema on the inside of a personal revelation, and it's just a quickening. Oh, I get it. I get it. And God will lead you like that, especially if you give him time in the word. But it doesn't have to be in the word. He, he can quicken you about a lot of things. He can quicken you all of a sudden in your mind about, oh, that person is not what they appear to be, you know, or whatever. Uh, number five and six and seven are pretty easy, uh, self-explanatory. The Holy Spirit will work with you in visions, work with you in dreams, and through prophecies of, of God-fearing people who speak over your life. So those are seven primary ways. There's other ways, but those are the seven primary ways that the Holy Spirit will lead you. But let me tell you this. Just because you had a dream doesn't mean it was from the Holy Spirit. You can even have a vision. Doesn't mean it's from the Holy Spirit. There's a devil out there speaking too. So we need to learn to... The voice of the Holy Spirit. And we do that through communing with the Holy Spirit. And then you'll understand that's not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will always align himself with the Word of God. Always. He will never contradict the Word of God. Ever. So if, if somebody's telling you, well, yeah, you ought to go, go to lunch with that girl. Just don't tell your wife. Nuh-uh. That's not from the Holy Spirit. It will always align with the Word of God. You see, these three are tight. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Word, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. They're one. Okay, so now we got seven primary ways for you to follow the Holy Spirit. That's the way the Holy Spirit leads you. What are your commitments in this? Number one, decide that you will follow Him. Choose this day whom you will serve. Go ahead and make up your mind. You know, I've been on the throne a long time, and it ain't led me very far. I think I'm going to trust God. That would be good, because you can't serve two masters. Number two, humble yourself. God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak a lot to those who are proud. When you think you know it all, when you think you got enough, you don't need him. 
You see, the Holy Spirit will speak to you through the Word and through prayer. And prideful people don't read the Word or prayer because they figure they already got it figured out. And it can be subtle. And that's what I talked about last week. I mean, last week, I was, when I preach on the Word, a lot of people, it's like I'm stepping on their toes because a lot of people ain't reading the Word. And a lot of people get mad at me, but I, that's my job. The Word of God is the primary thing, you know? And so I have to tell you this. And so if you're not reading the Word, we talked about that last week, you need to be. And it's a sign that you have pride that I don't need that. I've, you know, or you're just ignorant of what could be in your life. You're so willfully ignorant of what God could do in your life if you would read the Word and pray and be led by the Holy Spirit as we're adding today. So humble people read the Word and pray. They know they need God. I know I need Him. Man. Number three. Have faith in the Holy Spirit. Trust Him. He's God. And He loves you. He does. He's got your good at heart. He would never do anything to hurt you. He is a gentleman. He is here to help you. He's your comforter. He's your helper. Number four, like I said, learn His voice. And then get in position to hear it. Some of us say, I'm not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore because you're watching TV eight hours a day. You're on social media four hours a day, and you're on the phone with your friends, whatever's left. You go to bed all wired out. You see, the Holy Spirit is, speaks from an inner voice, a still small voice, the Bible calls it most of the time. Not that he couldn't speak loud, but he's not going to. He's not going to change the way he does things just because you won't change the way you do things. If you don't make quiet time, and, you know, we're living in a society like never before. Let's be honest. We are bombarded. And you know why? Because the devil knows if he can get you bombarded and busy-minded, you will never hear from God, and you will never accomplish God's will. And so even sometimes, I'm, t I'm telling on myself, sometimes when I get quiet, I say, okay, I make time. You know, okay, God, I'm fixing to go pray, and I'll come in here in the sanctuary by myself during the week or something. And I'll come in. It'll take me 47 laps around this place before I can quiet my mind to actually hear from God. It's because busyness of life. Some, you know, myself included, I get involved in so many activities. I, I'm a jack of all trades. I like to throw darts. I like to play golf. I like to fish. I like to hunt. I like to blah, 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 blah. And I got to have stuff for all that, you know. And I'm, my mind's going in a thousand different directions. And I'm really spinning my wheels and not getting anywhere. There's one thing that we need. And I, just like you, Need to focus on that one thing, and then all the other things that I need will be added to me. Isn't that right? Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. But we get to seek in all the stuff. We get to seek to know everybody's life in the, in the Facebook feed. Oh, look what they're doing. Oh, let me get on here and tell somebody about this. Wow. Meanwhile, we're trading 
a relationship with the Holy Spirit and our true purpose in life in for that few dopamine hits. Now, I hate to tell you like this, but it's the truth. This is, a, this is the time. And I don't know where this is coming from. But this is the end times. And it's more important now than ever before. God's raised you up for such a time as this. More people are dying and going to hell than ever before. The planet is chock full of lost people. And the church is on the social media feed 99% of the time. I just, I thought maybe we could reach people on it. And there's some good things on it. You know, we put our church services on there and stuff like that. But to me, it's still mostly virtual world. The way you reach the world, the way you accomplish your purpose is you meet face-to-face with people and you love them. It's still good old-fashioned talking to people, sharing the Word of God with them. You can do it on, on social media, but that's just creating more noise. Those people ain't listening to that. Be mad at me if you want, but I, I have prayed these things out And I think God wants me to tell you, wake up. Because he's dealing with me about it. It's a zombie maker. And we are being turned into zombies. It's got so that we see so much violence, so much negative in the world that our hearts are not compassionate anymore. We think, I can't do anything about this. It's all over. By the time you watch Fox News and you turn to CNN, you think it's civil war about to happen. It's all over. The currency's being changed, this, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing that we can do. God didn't, check, he didn't tell you to go save the whole world. He told you to, to go tell somebody. One at a time is the way we change this world as Christians. So let's be careful that we might hear from the Holy Spirit. Y'all got me preaching about stuff off. Learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. Be quiet enough to hear his voice because we can spin our wheels for 30 years. I know stories of people that worked in dead-end jobs for 40 years that if they would have just spent 40 minutes in the presence of God, they would have never went that direction. You can, God can speak to you in an instant and change your whole life. I guess there's enough said on that. Number five, keep your heart pure. You know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit by your lifestyle, the choices you're making, the way you're talking to people, the things you're watching. It's not that the Holy Spirit hadn't seen it before. It's not like he's a sissy and he can't take it. He's grieved for you. He's grieved because he loves you and he wants more for you than that. And so... It says the pure in heart will see God. So keep your heart pure. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You won't hear from the Holy Spirit if you're grieving Him. He'll just back off. He'll be with you, but He'll back off. Number six, obey the Holy Spirit. 
When he tells you to do something, do it. You know, there's people in your life, people in my life, that you've asked them to do something. They may say they'll do it, but then they don't do it, right? You ask them again, they, don't just, they won't do what you ask them to do. Maybe it's your children or something. Eventually, if it's not your children, if it's somebody, you're just like, I'm not going to ask them anymore. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is. If you won't do what he's asking you to do, why should he tell you other things to do? It's like Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know, he's trying to give us keys to life, and, and we ain't doing anything with it. It's like, well, that was a waste of my breath. And, and maybe some of us got some things that we already know the Holy Spirit told us to do and we've never done yet. And maybe he's waiting on that to be taken care of before we go to the next step. Number seven. This is pretty simple. And I do this. Every day I get up, I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't know how that works. You could say, well, he's not a liquid. You know, he's not. How does that work? Has he got 40% of the Holy Spirit or whatever? No, I think it's about the control of the heart. Who has control of the heart? When I say fill me, I say take control of all of my heart. Fill me to overflowing so that I may live for you. It's, I like to call it a continual surrendering afresh. Just to, I surrender again today, Holy Spirit. Maybe I'm doing good. Well, I want to continue to surrender. Or maybe yesterday I didn't listen to a thing you said, but Holy Spirit, today fill me. And let me do better today. So that's a good thing. Now, you're saved one time, right? You're saved or you're not. And once you get saved, you don't have to beg for to be saved all the time. I see people to jail doing that over and over. Try to tell them, but they, you know, their conscience and stuff makes them feel like they got to be saved again. No, they just need to ask for forgiveness and come running back to the Father. But, you know, our, our, our heart needs to continually surrender to the Holy Spirit. And each day is a good time to start. Each, each morning, say, Holy Spirit, lead me. And if you find yourself letting the flesh take over, do it again during the day. Okay, so that's seven ways to... For us to follow the Holy Spirit, then seven primary ways not to follow the Holy Spirit. Well, you're lost, you're carnal, you're proud, you're lazy, you're stiff-necked, you're ignorant, or you're deceived. A lot of people are, are ignorant of the Holy Spirit because people... Even pastors that should shy away from it because people are much more comfortable with things that they can see and touch and feel. And the Holy Spirit, you can't, so people shy away from preaching it. But, and people can be Christian but ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm trying to clear these things up in some people's minds today. Most of you already know this stuff. But you can be deceived. There are people preaching that the, the Holy Spirit passed away with the early church, you know, that there's no power down here anymore. We're just left to our own devices. This sanctification is just waiting until Jesus gets back. And that's not the truth. 
It is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies you. So, you can be ignorant, you can be deceived, stiff-necked. That's not my word, that's in the Bible. God said, you stiff-necked people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Even back in the Old Testament, they, they just resisted the Holy Ghost. I think for the simple reasons their flesh didn't understand it and they didn't, didn't want to understand it. But God said, don't be stiff-necked. Don't have a hard heart towards the very thing that I can't, that Jesus died to give you is, is my spirit in your heart. Be soft-hearted. Understand what God's will is. Your sanctification through the power of the Holy Ghost. We simply don't have the power to please God without the Holy Spirit leading our lives. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, look, guys, don't even leave home without him. We're going to start an early church, and y'all have been walking with me, and I've been showing you everything to do, and you know you're, you're pretty studied up and everything, but still, I don't want you carnal bunch out there until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You, your flesh will just mess things up. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but you will receive power once that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in the Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To reject the Holy Spirit is to reject the very work of God in your life. Please, don't continue to claim ignorance or deception. You know the truth now. Can you put that painting that Michelangelo, I, I saw that this week. You, you've probably all seen this painting. It's a bigger painting, but I, I zoomed it in. And the hand... I guess on the right is God reaching down. Well, actually, he's come down, and his hand's not really reaching down, it's reaching out. And the one on the left is Adam. It's called the creation of Adam is the name of this painting. And as you can see, God is stretching forth, and his fingers stretched out. He wants to touch man. But if you look at Adam, he's like... I don't know. I don't know. And you see there's a separation between them. That's not God's plan. God is stretching his hand forth towards you today. God is stretching his hand toward. It says, stop all those stiff-necked ways. Don't be deceived any longer. Don't be hardened against the Holy Spirit. Forget what other people told you. You saw in my word today that you should be led by the Holy Spirit. Since we're on sevens, can we agree, as my brothers and sisters in Christ in here today, can we agree on, the, on seven primary words, which are these? After everything you've heard, everything we saw in the Word of God today, can we at least agree on this? I know there's... Multiple teachings, and uh, you may have seen, seen on the internet something else. But according to the word of God that we have heard, not talking about what you've been taught about tongues or interpretations or the gifts of the Spirit, how you're confused about the, the, Can we agree on these seven words? We should 
be led by Holy Spirit. Can we agree on that? If you agree on that, I want you to rise to your feet. The rest, the Holy Spirit can work out in you if you will get to that place that you at least acknowledge that he, you should be led by the Holy Spirit. Give God that much to work with. There's a song I want them to play. And here's what I want us to do. In prayer before this, this I often pray, how do we close the service? What do you, what do you want done? And I just felt like, Play some music. Have the people who want to be led by the Holy Spirit stand up. Play the music loud enough so they don't have to worry about if they're talking to me, other people are hearing what they say. And ask them, will they... If you've never spoke to the Holy Spirit and you're a Christian, you're a believer, would you introduce yourself to Him? Would you talk to Him? And if you know Him, would you talk to him some more? And if you've been walking with him for 40 years, would you surrender afresh right now? Say, Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you. I want you to show me what is true and what is not about the Holy Spirit. I do not, I do not want to be afraid of you. I want to trust you. And I want you to lead and guide my life. And I want you to show me how that works. These are the kind of things I would be praying, depending on where you are in your understanding of the Holy Spirit, you understand. I don't know what your questions are. Go ahead and play the song. But you got five minutes during this song. And why don't you interact? Let the Holy Spirit interact in your heart. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.